Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Black. We are your host, Carl. And I'm Dan. And today we are going to cover one of my favorite books in a long time. I'm showing my hand early. Bitterroot, Volume 1. I hope you guys had a chance to read it. I'll give you a little spiel on what the book is about in case you haven't read it. And then Dan and I will hop into our thoughts. I gave my thoughts already. In the 1920s, the Harlem <laughs> Renaissance is in full swing. And only this, I, you know, Dan, before I do this, how do you say their last mm-hmm. name? Oh, I sh- don't even get me started with that one. I had to like just kind of glance over it and just make a <laughs> mental note as I was going. Sangari? So, so, um, let's go with Sangari. Sang- yes. Sangi- Sangari? Sangari? I'm going to go with Sangari. San- Sangari. Sangari. Oh, God. I'm leaving all this in, by the way. Uh, <laughs> in the 1920s, the Harlem Renaissance is in full swing, and only the Sangari family can save New York and the world from the supernatural forces threatening to destroy humanity. But the once great family of monster hunters has been torn apart by tragedies and conflicting moral codes. The Sangari family must heal the wounds of the past and move beyond their differences, or sit back and watch the force of unimaginable evil ravaged the human race well written by david f walker and chuck brown and i was completely blown out of the water by the arts by mr sanford green i mean i was a big fan back when he's doing the um power man and iron fist book Mm -hmm. and he definitely stepped up his game in this book as well it was beautiful and we spoke a little bit off air about it and I mentioned it was a really quick read for me because I realized his artwork just made it that I didn't even have to really concentrate on the words. I was I can tell what was going on just by the action alone. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's some of the best yes. art I've seen in a book in a very long time because and I it made me feel a special way about this book. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I, we can get into the writing a little bit, but the I will keep going back for the art i will keep reading it over and over again just for the art yeah and i also i love the setting it's um you know harlem renaissance and it's it's like blade meets the harlem renaissance kind of thing it's like black monster hunters in harlem and there's like race race relations thrown in and it's just it's it's very heavy it's um it covers a lot of topics and it covers them well and uh the characters are really well thought out and the action is really nice, um, which was great. And the color, the colors on in this book are crazy. Like the it is the color is so simply done, but it's a it's a combination of the layering of the texture, of how the colors were put down. Like I I, I literally had to stop um, on a couple of pages just to see how he did it, and I. And just for the sake of giving credit where credit is due, I want to make sure that we shout out the colorist as well because that person did an amazing job. Um, color artist is Rico Renzi and San- and Sanford Green. So, like, he pulled – Sanford Green pulled double, triple duty in this. He penciled. He looks like he inked his own work. Mm-hmm. And he colored his – and helped color it as well. So – Bravo. Like this, you could tell this book was a labor of love. Um, I think I'm sure anybody that has heard me before has 
that's like one of my favorite phrases is labor of love. And wow, I, I, I'm going through the book right now as we speak. And I just can't help but just say wow mm-hmm. on every single page. Yeah. And I especially love the storytelling in that it really paints an interesting view of the Harlem Renaissance. And it gives us a very unique, which is something that you don't get to, well, I won't say you don't get to say, but it's something that's very appreciated where you get a very unique story with a, a, a twist to kind of a, a common theme. Monster hunting is not new, mm-hmm. but black monster hunting is not, you know, widespread. And then also black monster hunting in Harlem, in the Harlem Renaissance, like there's so many layers to it. And then they crafted kind of their own sort of, uh, you know, like Fifno and, and they had like these power gauntlets and they have like their own terminology and their own, uh, technology that help combat this force. I thought that that was really well thought out and it showed uh, a lot of care from as an artist and someone who's, you know, currently writing books and has written books. How did you appreciate the flow of uh, volume one of Bitterroot? It was, it was really well crafted in terms of, and I've said it before that it was a really quick read like the story wasn't too overcomplicated, you know, so I didn't have to keep going back and trying to make sense of who was who and what was actually happening it was right out there for you. There's no real mystery to as was going on. And they peppered enough information along the way that wanted to keep you reading, you know. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, B plus, you know, like, just like, you know, being a writer, being an artist, now. like you could always. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of have to because. Um, just for the sake of being completely honest about it, like the art kept me going back. The writing towards the end, um, I wasn't a fan of how the writer, and I'm, I'm guaranteed this wasn't intentional, but it felt like he was giving excuse to why evil people are evil. And so hmm. there's an altercation with Klux uh, Klan, KKK, and there's an altercation with just like any bigot or racist within this book, the reasoning behind why the, what say why they were the way they were is because a demon had taken taken them over. You know, so it was it was alluding to that these people were evil because demons had taken them over, as opposed to these people are evil because people can be evil. So I didn't really like that too much, but I still roll with the story because it's still fun. But then towards the end, it really felt like the writer had run out of steam a little bit. I was looking for, looking for a way to kind of end things and reveal certain characters. And I don't know if you, you picked up on this, but part of the ending was very much like Ant-Man and Wasp, the movie, where yes, one of the main characters is sucked into another world, mm-hmm. and then he shows back up and realizes time has passed, and he's gotten bigger, he's gotten stronger, and then they bring back the mother, who, in all intents all intents and purposes was the wasp. Yeah. Was, was the wasp from the M and was like down to the gray hair and wearing like the, um, the suit that was clearly made in that other world. Yeah. So it's like, Ooh, it's like, it was to the point, like, like which idea came first because I actually checked in the dates. Like when was this released and when was Ant-Man and Wasp released? And like, this was released like a year and a half afterwards. Yeah, but, so but they you, clearly, know, you know the the kind of lead time between writing 
and then art is fairly far along. Like if someone wrote it and then they had to illustrate it, like the writing happened a long time ago. And by that time they wouldn't yeah. have known about kind of the Ant-Man stuff or if they did or had kind of any inkling, I don't think they had like a general idea that Ant-Man was going to do that close of a, of a plot line. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, crazy unique. Like I'm sure it's been done before, oh, yeah. but to kind of a well, to kind of double back just a bit and address your other point, I'm I might f- I I'll fall on the other side where I I didn't mind that I, I I think that's the story they were trying to tell. They aren't trying to tell a story about people being bad. They're trying to tell a story about a family of monster hunters who mm-hmm. take demons down, and the bigot it, it it manifests through hate. And in that setting, the people who were the most hatred who had the most hatred in their heart were those who were killing black people and like the bigots and, and the racists they were susceptible to becoming demons so i actually like the fact that they were the demons found vessels through hate it's it's a, it's a commentary on kind of like like you said it's a commentary on people can be evil and those people are susceptible to becoming devils which in the real mm. world is true as well. Like you can hate so much that you become evil and you do something super evil. This one just manifests itself as a demon, a literal demon, which is the most comic book way of showing that possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have an issue with that. I, I thought it, it actually was fairly well done and um, a little nuanced as well. Yeah. As for the Ant-Man stuff, you know, it happens. <laughs> it's just I I don't oh, yeah. I don't like the fact that the mother is basically she could, if she was in there and it ages you she should either be dead or super old like she should be as old as Ma Etta or however they don't really explain how old she was when she went in but she doesn't look mm-hmm. like she was like they talk about her like she was been lost for a while and yes. she comes out you know in late fifties maybe. And the other mm-hmm. dude, he definitely aged up to like mid twenties, late twenties, and he was definitely like a teenager when he went in. So the time, yes, it's just it's bonkers. It's a little weird, but you know, I mean, say I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't uh, believe for a second that wouldn't get cleared up in some way, shape, or form in the next book. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's the first you thing know, they so cover because. Okay. No, I was like, I'm sure it's the first thing they cover because I mean, the first thing he comes out, he's like, "Dude, what? Where you been?" And he's like, "We'll have time for that later." Yeah. But yeah, and he's this big bog dude that just filled out completely. He's like, "What the he hell?" Got stars. He got a new outfit. <laughs> yeah. He's a badass. Where he went in, he was kind of the the scrawny. Uh, I don't know how would you char- uh, characterize uh, his name was Cullen. How would you characterize Cullen mm-hmm. in that? I mean, he was ambitious but flawed. I don't know if there's a word. He was, for he that. was green. In, he was green. The gills, yeah. you know, where his sister um, was clearly the most c- capable fighter of the young younger group. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very much kind of klutzy and was still trying to find his sea legs. He, it's a, it's like um, Ric Flair. His son was that guy, was Cullen, and then his daughter. Hey, it is the Flares. His daughter is the more accomplished one, and then uh, the son was not you know, good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know why I alluded to wrestling, but 
That's how I see the world. Yeah, you're you're using an analogy that I don't get. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of your I noticed would, from your like silence that you didn't <laughs> understand what I was saying, so I stopped. <laughs> I was just where you're going with it. That's, that's what's happening. I was waiting to see. You going Do with you know it. who Ric Flair is? Do you know? Of course. Okay, good. I mean, like I was around for the fact. Like, yeah, but like in terms of, like the the lineage and the family taking over, it's like nope, don't no clue to talking okay, about. As long as you know who Ric Flair is. Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can hear myself in your background. Oh, shucks. That's weird. That's the first time that's happened. Hold on. Uh, oh, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Has this been happening the entire time? No, it just started. Okay, give me one second. Then hold mm-hmm. on. Is this better? Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, cool. Uh, so I had a question. Uh, what did you think of the character Berg and his um, his dialogue and just the character itself? Um, it's like because I grew up on comic books, you know, I recognized the trope very quickly. It's like this is essentially the Beast character where you have this big brolic dude that speaks very eloquently. You know, you can tell it's very, very intelligent, but when push comes to shove, he can beat the living shit out of you but the moment that he got taken over by uh it wasn't even a demon at that point but when he got infected i was like oh he's beast you know it's a it once again i didn't mind it because like there's only so many archetypes archetypes you can roll through before something starts seeming familiar and let's face it all stories are just old stories being retold in a new way mm-hmm. but i'd say i totally enjoy him like I, I i always go for the big intelligent characters so I'd love to see more of a story about him, you know. So I had fun with with that character as little as he did in the very beginning. I still have I still have fun with that character. Uh, he's definitely a remnant of uh, their time writing or drawing for Luke Cage. He definitely has oh yes. very Luke Cagey uh, features, which I thought was great. Um, I was not a huge fan of his dialogue only because I felt like they were trying really hard to make him sound smart. Like mm-hmm. really hard. Like there were words in there. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> the words were so big. I didn't even want to look them up. I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I get the gist of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, Take it in context. Yeah. And there was um, uh, in my head, I was like, like you said, in the context of what he's saying, I know at least two other words he could have used that sound just as smart. And I would have known or other people would have known. And so you're trying super hard to be very intelligent. And I don't know, it, it almost feels like if this is Berg's character where he just drops big words like that to sound smart. Mm-hmm. Great. But if this is the writer like flexing, then you lost me. There, there were some panels where I was just like, come on, man. Yeah. Say, I, it's one of those things that I was just taking it. Like, you know, like you, I got caught up in words I didn't necessarily understand myself, but like take it in context, like, oh, okay, all right, fine. You know, say, I understand this character. He's a little, he can, he can be a little over your head. And I think that was, that, that's the point, you know, that's the point they're trying to make. Like, let's throw these, not, not uh, intentionally flexing, but like, let's throw these random words out here that most of the population probably wouldn't even know. So you now understand, like, oh, okay, he's super well read and very intelligent. You know more than the average person. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on and I, I'm spacing on the guy's name, 
the the dude who's basically Blade. When I first saw him, I was like, "Oh, this is a really cool character." And then I thought back to the Venture Brothers. Yes. And how there's a character that's very reminiscent of him in there. I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." But once again, it was it wasn't something that I was like, "Oh, that's you know they're biting off of this." Like, no, it's just part for the course. And it's still a fun character with enough mystery. I loved, love, love the fact that he took on um, a ward of the state. Oh, who so was funny. a former racist? A <laughs> yeah, a former racist, wispy, redheaded white dude. I love the fact that he turned a. This is not gonna sound weird. That he turned a racist through fear, almost like he was <laughs> like, um, he's like, well, if you're, you know, if those were your friends, I might as well kill you now. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm not, I wasn't with them. Uh, it's just. Yeah, it's, it's like, but I kind of believed when he said that line. I was like, yeah, I just, I, you know, I just kind of followed him here. I didn't realize it was going to get as bad as it did. Seeing that character pop up throughout the books, like, oh, he's still here. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he was going to get killed. I thought he was just fodder at one point. Like, oh, he's, he's going to get killed off somewhere along the way. He's like, no, he's there and he's staying there. I was like, okay, all right, cool. And he also ended up helping. Like, he was feeding them information and he was, uh, his name is Ford. There you go. Ford is the Blade character, and the character you mentioned from um, from Venture Brothers is Jefferson Twilight. Did a whole episode on him. Yes. Have a whole podcast <laughs> about that guy. I love him, but I, I love the fact that he was just like you know I might know where there's more devils for you to kill, and that's basically what kicks their journey off. I would watch an entire or watch. I would read an entire series about their kind of cleaning up, you know people who we thought were racist, but they're actually demons. And this, this former uh, clan member or whatever you want to call him is leading the pack. And the other one, and the mm. other guy is just like murdering people <laughs> along the way, like um, monster hunting like that. I think that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you know that kid's name? No, I'm very bad with names. Like I can, I can enjoy the hell out of something. But when you ask me to go back and tell you the name of the characters, in the book or the movie or the television show I just watched or read. Nope. Couldn't tell you. I can describe them to you. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back. Yeah. They don't give this guy a name. Oh, well, okay. I mean, maybe that's commentary. Who knows? Maybe. If they did give him a name and we don't know it, then, you know, maybe that's commentary on us. <laughs> we didn't care enough about a, a, a racist to, to clock his name. Moving on. Okay. Uh, I want to cover black supervillains, which is a thing that I like to think about while I'm sitting up at night about black superheroes. Uh, who, who do they fight? And I think Bitterroot uh, does a decent job of bringing one in, uh, Dr. Sylvester. What did you think of Bitterroot's villain? He was good for the sake of moving the story along. I didn't get a feel for what his real motivation is. I guess he's angry, uh, but there's not enough backstory, but I think that's on purpose because he was there to bring everybody together. Like that was his, that was his goal of like, all right, so the characters has been established. We need a reason for them now to come together and show how good they are kicking ass. And he did his job very well. I'm sure as the, the, uh, the story goes on, they'll get fleshed out a little more but I'm not upset that we were given more of him. Mm-hmm. And by the end, he was some sort of amalgamation of the demons that they were fighting and his own sort of concoction, it seemed. Like he, he was suppressing mm-hmm. some sort of monster inside of him. 
And by the end, mm-hmm. he's just like this hulking, uh, I don't know, floating demon man. Like he, he like some, no, some yeah, sort of he's, gin. He's a di- exactly. When I saw him, I was like, oh, with the the wavy, fiery hair. I was like, oh, you're a gin. You're a genie. That's what he felt like the entire time. And once again, I'm not hating on it. And you're not either. It's just the connection we made. Mm-hmm. Uh, next topic, the blackness of these characters. Dan, did you find that their blackness played a role in the story? And if so, was it positive or negative? I'm, I, you can hear the smile as I ask that question because it's so, <laughs> it's so obvious. Like I was trying not to smile while I said it. <laughs> it's such an obvious mm. question. But let's talk about it. <laughs> you have a... Everybody had their own distinct personality throughout the book. And this is my personal opinion. It's like, yes, there are remnants. Like, yeah, they're like you know, tropes, not, not even tropes, but yes, they're black. But I, I didn't look at them like that way. I'm just happy that they have brown skin. Mm-hmm. And you're telling the story of, of a black, brown family in the middle of Harlem. And, during the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, but d- during the Harlem Renaissance. But it didn't. There was no big deal made of it. You know, it's like, does that make sense? Really? Like, they they were who they were, and they're doing what they needed to. But it's fairly integral to the story that they are black. <sighs> it is, It is like, a thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's the fact that, you know, they are fighting racism at least five times in the book. They literally kill the Klan who are trying to hang a black man. Uh, yeah, that's very, that is very true. The, uh, yes, that is very true. When, when everything goes down by the end of the book and one of the white cops is like, nowhere is safe, the black cop says, there's probably only one place that's safe and it's it's with this family. Like, they, mm-hmm. their their blackness is on display like <laughs> from, from page to page. Like, it is... Can I... It's like, I'm, I'm going to cut across you very quick and I apologize, but there are certain points in the book... And this is not hating on Sanford Green's uh, art abilities because he's amazing. But there was a point where I was asking myself, like, are they all black? Like, there's like there was at one point they're looking at a family portrait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell. Like, are are they like, are they a family? But they come from different walks of life, and they just so happen that this group of them happen to be black. You know. Are they mixed in some way, shape, or form? Because, uh, oh man, help me with names, guys. I'm sorry. When they they pulled in the the uncle that nobody liked, mm-hmm. um, and yes, he's like yes, he's light skin, but his hair texture Enoch. was oh, Uncle Enoch. Yes, his hair, his his look. I wasn't too sure what he was. Yeah. Does that make any sense? And should should that even matter? But I was just curious at that point. No, but I think I think you are right. I am actually looking at the um the panel right now. I'll, I'll put it in the the show notes. Yeah, I think it was a multicultural family. Maybe I think Ma Etta was black and she belonged to kind of a multicultural maybe she was an orphan or something. Uh cuz there's mm-hmm. definitely some, you know, Asian people in this picture yeah i think i think maybe ma Etta is the the black branch of this kind of network of monster hunters maybe mm-hmm. that's it like she had her kids and then uh she kept saying she was losing family members so i don't think they necessarily 
you know, I don't know. Maybe they do consider everyone who fights monsters the same way they do as uh, family. Mm-hmm. But there's there's definitely probably other branches of this family uh, who just aren't black, and which which yeah. is amazing. I think is great. I think uh, I think uh, Ma Etta taking them to Harlem mm-hmm. and setting up and then becoming that kind of crutch in the city fighting monsters is awesome. Yeah. It's like the moment I saw that, um, I was, well, the first thing I thought is like, am I misreading this image? And if I'm not misreading the image, I'm enjoying this even more. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a deeper story that they're not telling just yet. And I love to see them branch out and tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Cause I say, like, you know, I identify as a, as a black male, but I'm Trinidadian and my last name is O'Brien. There's a lot of different um, cultures running through me, you know, so that's like, seeing that made me, ident- made me identify the story even more. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. The, I, I love the fact that it's not, I mean, like you said, uncle Enoch, he's not like four. Like they, they, they it's a nice eclectic mix of characterizations, which I think is beautiful. And the fact that they are all family in one way or another, whether it be through blood or through hardship or through, you know, whatever. I think that's great. And like you said, that picture of whoever that family is, they, they made a point to zoom in on that family. Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's intentional. It's like a whole panel of like, this is the family she's talking about and they're not all black. That's special. But yeah, I would love to, to see like, uh, Bitterroot International, like wh- where mm. where it goes. Like, is there one in China? Is there one in you know the Caribbean? Is there one in Japan? Mm. Is there are they fighting monsters uh, as shoguns? That'd be dope. See, see, it's it's funny that you say international because this series has drawn parallels to another book series that I love as well called. Monster Hunters International. I tried reading that. It's like it's it's a it's a fun series of books where it's a you know it's a family of monster hunters who get paid by the government under the table to come together and literally just fight vampires, werewolves, zombies, you name it. And there's different factions of monster hunters throughout the world. So I wonder if this is very similar where. Yes, there's a, there's a family, but there's others throughout the world that also specialize in their own brand of demons and so on and so forth. I would hope so. I think that'd be really cool if there was different types of monsters that people were hunting depending on where in the geography they reside. Like maybe different portals mm-hmm. open up in different cities and they bring out different, you know, versions of demons or, you know, intergalactic type things. That'd be that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh all right, Dan, yeah. where can they find you on socials? You guys can find me at the underscore basement underscore monster on Instagram. That is the only place you can really find me because I don't post anywhere else. You can also find me at thebasementmonster.com. And if you're interested, you can purchase my books on Amazon. Um, right now, I have The Carvel Prince, which I wrote and illustrated. I also have... The Masquerade Dance, the Masquerade Dance, which I illustrated for the amazing Cal Michelle um, for Caribbean Reads, and I have one other book coming up within the next few months that I'm going to be dropping hints to as the weeks go on. So stay tuned. 
Awesome. You can follow Super Black at Super Black Org on Instagram and Twitter. Head over to superblack.co to get the rest of our episodes. Please support the show by telling a friend or two or three or tell your grandmother, tell your boss, doesn't matter. We invite all people to listen to our ramblings and words. Have some fun with us. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back with a new book to read and review in the next episode. Have a wonderful day, guys. Peace. Full stop.